find where it was. All right. So we're going to be in John chapter 11 this morning. So if you want to grab a Bible in front of you, the, the red ones are the best, but all of them are this, they're all God's Word. The red ones just have the exact same script that I'm going to be using. The black ones are similar. So I am excited to be here this morning and, and share God's Word with you. John chapter 11 is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I think it's easy to say that because it's a gospel, and gospels are, are my favorites because Jesus' story is pretty much amazing, right? So we're going to read, starting in verse 17 of John this morning, and it goes like this. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, he went to meet him, or she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Oh, little did she know. It'd be a little sooner than that. So Jesus calls us to an eternal perspective. He wants to see us to see the big picture. We were talking a little bit this, this week. How do, you, how do you direct them past that wall? How do you direct them past that wall? And we were talking about the youth. Well, you have to have an eternal perspective. And when you see the whole picture and where you want to go, the wall doesn't seem so big when you have somebody that's taking you with you, which is Jesus Christ, right? He's going he's gonna to have that yoke. And when you have that eternal perspective, it brings the problem into a little bit better to where you can see around or over top of that wall that uh, maybe Satan has placed in front of you. And so that's really a nice way to look at situations, right? We need to have uh, be farsighted in a sense. Farsighted, see better things, meaning that those that have their eyes set on heaven, goal, their relationship with God, have their uh, sights on better things. So we're going to notice how the author John the Apostle set the scene on arrival. Jesus arrives at Bethany. Lazarus had been in the, in the tomb for four days and a few miles away from Jerusalem, Bethany is, and many people came out of Jerusalem to comfort Mary and Martha in their loss. And what do we know from last week's study? We know that Lazarus and his family were close to Jesus. They had a good relationship to Jesus. They were good friends. And what do we know of the reading of the whole account? That Jesus is here to show that he is the resurrection and the life. He is going to display his power over death as a precursor to his own resurrection of the dead. So where are we going today? It goes like this. God makes all things new when we give him our pain and suffering. He restores us by the transforming of our spirit heart, and mind. That's spirit, not 
spurt. I don't know what spurt. Maybe that I got a typo in the bulletin, so you can check that out online too. It's there. So our first point today is Jesus restores. Jesus restores. Jesus makes all things new. I think that's one of my favorite lines. I'm not really sure if Jesus said that on the way of the cross, but it, it's in the Passion of the Christ. And he says, see, Mom, I make all things new. And I really like that line that they stuck in there uh, because it's just, it's just amazing to see um, Jesus. That's his perspective. He has that eternal perspective. He's going to make all things new. It's not right now, but it's going to be. So Mary and Martha, they're broken, they're hurting, they're lost, and however... He doesn't want them to stay that way. Let's look at the whole picture. So we look at Bethany. Bethany means the place of the afflicted. And we named our first daughter Bethany. Coincidentally, and you're like, wow, that's so delightful. What a Debbie Downer name. But before you go there, there's a reason why we chose that name. Bethany reminds us, the name Bethany reminds us to go to the brokenhearted. Jesus could have went to the Jerusalem. He could have went to where everything was happening. And you, I've even heard this in people campaigning for a church plant. We're going to go downtown because that's where Jesus went. Jesus went to the epicenter. But did he? If you look, every time he goes into Jerusalem, almost every time he gets kicked out, especially the last week, he has to go to Ephraim, we're going to find that out next week, and he has to go to Bethany. Here, he goes to the outcast, to the brokenhearted, to those who are going to hear the message, right? They're more receptive to the message, and that's where we find him once again here in, in Bethany. And so Jesus goes to the social outcast, the broken and hurting, and it reminds us as a family that we need to do that as well. And here's where we find Jesus. He stops and he takes time in the pain. And what did we know of pain? <clears throat> but it's Satan's tool. Satan loves pain and suffering. He thinks it's the bee's knees. That's ultimately why he tried to kill Jesus on the cross. Because he, dis he was tempted by the pain and the suffering that he could give to Jesus, so that's why he allowed it. He knew he was a defeated foe. If, he, if Jesus dies on the cross, he knows he's, gonna, he's lost. The temptation was too great, and he allowed that to happen and ultimately lost. Jesus beat him at his own game. Jesus knew the end game. He knew how to beat him, and he did it. Praise God that he was willing to go through that suffering. So Jesus sent, was sent to heal Lazarus, and his name means God has helped. Yeah, some help you were, God. You watched me die. <laughs> I mean, does it get any worse than that? Not, not generally. You could have helped him. Jesus could have helped him, couldn't he have? And if you would have been there, my brother would have been healed. Both sisters point this out to Jesus, don't they? Both sisters I think Mary was probably a little bit more pointed than Martha. I think Martha had a little bit better eternal perspective. And I think after this story, I think Mary and Martha get it. I don't think the disciples get it. I think Mary and Martha are more mature than the disciples. 
because they understood they were the ones that went to the tomb afterwards. They were the ones that, maybe not Martha, but I know Mary was, and they were there. They had expectations that Jesus was going to rise again or had the ability to and wanted to find out if that was going to be true. So, if you would have been there, my brother would have been healed. I know God even works through you now. I know it, and I want to believe, but rise again? I know he will in the last days. It's kind of how Martha replies. She wants, she wants to believe. She wants to say, hey, yeah, he's going to rise again, but she doesn't want to get her hopes up either, does she? Martha had the knowledge, but Jesus wants it to manifest into faith. She had the knowledge, but she wanted it. Jesus wanted it to manifest into faith. And much like Martha, Jesus wants us to surrender our successes and our pain at the foot of the cross. We are quick to allow our pain and our hurt to become our identity. You look at today, um, especially like during election season, you see it, the pain and the suffering, and, and oh, woe is me. Does everybody suffer? Does everybody hurt? Yeah, in their own way they do. And some people hurt and suffer a lot more than others, right? It's how you deal with the pain and the suffering and the hurting. Do you cry out so everybody knows that you're hurting? Is that right? Not according to the Bible. Who we should be crying out to is our Father God first, and then our fellow believers second, if we're still hurting. Right? So pain, whenever, whether it has always been there or not, it has power. It has power. It can tempt us to change our attitude, can it? Pain can affect somebody's attitude a lot. How many nurses we got in here? We got lots of nurses in here. How many people work with kids ever? You know, you can see how God, when they're hurting, their attitude changes, doesn't it? And when they're feeling better, oh, wow, you're the most amazing person in the world, right? Or they want a hug, right, if they're kids. And that's, that's how we are. That's how we're built. We're supposed to respond to pain. If we smash our hand with a hammer, we probably want to move our hand, right? That's what pain's there for, so we don't hurt again. But sometimes those receptors get out of whack or something is not right in our body, and we need to get it checked in a deeper way, right? And it can be overwhelming, and it can definitely change us. It can even become our identity, but it shouldn't. If we have an eternal perspective, our identity should always be in Christ Jesus because Jesus is bigger, he's stronger, he's full of peace, and he's full of comfort. He is patient and kind. He does not demand his own way. He keeps no record of being wronged. He does not rejoice about injustice. He is there to comfort never gives up, never loses faith. He is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Well, that sounds like love. 
sounds like you just defined love, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Well, that's because I did, but what do we know? That God is love. And how do we know that? Because Jesus Christ poured himself out his life for us in the ultimate act of love. And so if Jesus is love, we should be able to see these things in all his stories, shouldn't we? We should see where Jesus is patient and kind. Well, I've seen him bark at the Pharisees. I've seen him yell at them. Well, would it be kind for him to let them teach the people eternal destruction? No, no, it wouldn't. Would it be kind for him to not rebuke when they're taking the word out of context? No, it wouldn't, because truth has to come alongside, doesn't it? And truth has to be there. So do you ever wonder where God was in the pain and in the sickness and despair? Where are you, God? Where are you at? He is there standing in the truth that transcends all time. But you may say, well, I didn't feel him. Well, God is more than a feeling. God is more than a feeling. It doesn't mean he moved. It doesn't mean he changed. God's incapable of change. Sometimes it means that we've moved. Sometimes it means we've changed. And sometimes it means that we need to move and that we need to change. And God is using this to get our, a hold our attention so that we know. Pain and suffering are tools of Satan. It is our choice and how we choose to respond to these choices that make the difference. Well, pastor, you don't know the pain that I'm going through. You don't know what I've gone through. And guess what? You're right. I don't know. But the creator of the universe does. And he's in your corner. Does Jesus know suffering? He knows long-term suffering, I believe. Only, there's only one person that I know that's ever uh, sweat drops of blood or I've ever read about. I guess I don't know him other than um, studying him, but I know him personally because he's my Lord and Savior, right? Is Jesus, right? So I think he understands long-term suffering in a, in a different way than, than what we understand it and longer than what we understand it. Because Jesus has been dealing with sin since almost the beginning of time. Not quite, but almost. Right? And you know what Paul says? He says he was happy to do so. He's going to conquer sin and death, and he's happy to do so. Does this mean that your, your hurt's going to go away? No. Sometimes it will be lessened. Uh, when you can give it to the Lord, sometimes not. But that's when you can give your praise to the Lord even more because he is there. And when Jesus defeated death, he defeated the power of suffering and hurt, and we know that God knows pain. He knows it. He's familiar with it. He doesn't like it either. He doesn't think it's very fun. He did not... Intend the world to be the way it is, broken. He, deser- he designed it in perfection, and man introduced sin into the world. And God, the creator, knows loss. He discovered it first with Adam and Eve. 
Did they die right away? No, but they died, didn't they? They eventually died. And Jesus and God knows loss because of someone's mistake, right? Because we've messed up. God lost his son. Could you imagine giving up your son for somebody else's mistake? I couldn't do it. It'd be hard to do. That, that's like, you could save millions of people. Yeah, but he's my son. My, my son. You, you don't ask, you don't understand what you're asking here. And God says, yes, I do, because I gave up my son. I set the example. I know what that means. I understand. God has an eternal perspective. He knows pain. And God uses the church. He gives us a fellowship of believers to help bear our burdens together. This helps manage the pain. And we have hope in Him that He is strong enough to relieve or get rid of the pain. Amen? So that is would be a command that I would suggest, and I think we can see this in the Bible, to give the pain to Jesus. We are not designed to be shaped by pain and hurt, are we? We're not designed to be that way. So if we're not designed to be molded in that way, we need to go something that is stronger, that is bigger than the pain, and that would be Jesus, right? So in the name of Jesus Christ, we take power over the pain, the suffering, and the hurt in our life. Does that mean it goes away? Not always. But he will come alongside you and and bear your yoke with you. We may have to start to giving Jesus our pain every minute. Lord, this, this is yours. This is yours. Then it may eventually go to every hour. Then every day, and then as needed. Does pain always go away? I mean, there's quite a few in here that, that have lost a, a loved one, right? Do you still remember them? Does this still hurt to lose that person? Yeah, especially when you bring it up in a sermon, Pastor, about pain. Way to go, right? <laughs> but it hurts, doesn't it? One, don't avoid the pain. It is okay to mourn. It is important to mourn someone's death. Okay? That is very important. And that's something I think I need to say today. Two, we don't stay in the pain. Okay? Now, Jewish tradition, they go back once a year on the the anniversary of their death, and they remember that person. They remember what they did. They remember, they mourn the loss of that person. And I think that's a very healthy thing to do once a year, eventually, right? Sometimes you're, we're doing that when it first happens. You do it once a minute, don't you? You're doing it all the time. I can't stop crying. Guess what? That's okay. That's okay. It'll, it'll go, it'll lessen. It's not going to stay that intense all the time. It'll lessen. And you can take that with, a loss of a loved one, you can take that with um, aches and pain on your body, right? It's the same thing. You give it to the Lord. This hurts, Lord. This brings my attitude down. 
We're going to give it to the Lord because God makes all things new. When we give our pain and suffering, he restores us by the transforming of our spirit, heart, and mind. Let's continue on in the story because this is the glory part. This is where Jesus declares what he's, who he is, and then he becomes that by the end of the story. In verse 25, Jesus told Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you really believe this? She says, yes, Lord, I told, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary And she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there and when Mary arrived and saw Jesus he fell at his feet and said Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died do you understand what you've done to our family there's a loaded question there if I've ever seen one right there's a lot of pain in that question so we're going to take a couple minutes to, to rest in that let's continue on when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby They said, see how much he loved him. But others said, the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Yeah, he could have. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Amen. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? That's what he asked Martha. Once again, we see one of the I am statements of in the Bible. There's seven, seven or eight of them. This is one of them. Where's, what's significant about that? I am. Um, if you look at that back in Exodus, Moses asked the Lord, who, who should I say sent me? And he says, I am who I am. He's saying, I am. I always was. I always will be. I was. I am currently right now. And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he's declaring himself as God. So he's either a lunatic or, he's gonna, or he is who he says he is. He can't be both, right? He's either crazy or he really is God. So let's prove it, buddy. Right? So... Do you believe this? Jesus is declaring that he is life. He is anti-death. 
Think of it that way. He is against death in all shapes and forms. Jesus shows up at a funeral. What happens? The funeral ends. Jesus either raises them to life or he, he does this more than just with Lazarus in the Bible. He does this with the little boy. They're coming up, processions coming out in the book of Luke. And he says, what's the matter? And he says, he's, he tells the boy to get up. He gets up off the mat and, he, and the whole town rejoices. There's a little girl that's in, uh, in the upper room and says, he's died. And he's like, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they all laughed at him. They laughed at him. She's dead. We know dead when dead comes. Jesus goes up and raises her to life. And they all believe. Jesus disrupts every funeral that he's ever been a part of. When we live a life without the Lord, we're a walking funeral. When Jesus comes in to our hearts and changes it, he disrupts the death in our life and he brings resurrection and life. He allowed life to come. Sometimes this is inconvenient. Sometimes it's due to someone else's sin that we have encountered this pain. And I think of the case of rape. Sometimes that is somebody else's doing to me that I've encountered this pain. God wants to bring life to that situation. He is still in control. And that's a hard one to deal with, isn't it? Does Jesus understand pain? Maybe I should ask, let me ask you this. Does Jesus walk in there, rip the stone away from the tomb, and just, Lazarus, come out! Not right away, though. Not right away. You know, he doesn't walk right into town and just, boom, 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 got that one, take care of him, let's go to the next one. No, he takes time to deal with the pain. He takes time to deal with the hurt. He takes time to deal with the suffering, the longing, the questions that, Lord, you could have saved him if you were here. He deals with the blame. And he deals with their pain. Where were you, Lord? We were hurting, and you left us high and dry. Lord, we don't understand. Why are we going through this? I don't understand this, Lord. Why? Jesus could have healed, could he have healed Lazarus from a distance? Yeah, we see it in early on in John. It says, do you believe that your son's going to be healed? Go back. At this very hour, he was healed. Right? Could he have left sooner and saved Lazarus' life? Yes, he could have. And could he have raised Lazarus right when he got here, there? Obviously, yes, he could have because he does it later. But he didn't. He didn't. He worked the process that God had laid before him. And we have that responsibility, too, to walk in God's will. Walk in the will of God. We don't understand the will of God. 
Sometimes it doesn't make sense at all. Sometimes it means we need to suffer for more than a, a day, for more than a month, more than a year. We have to suffer in the pain. Why am I have to go through this? Honestly, sometimes we don't have the answer other than that's the Lord's will. But we have the example that was set by Jesus Christ. Jesus submitted to God's master plan. Can God rescue from the pain before the pain even exists? He could, right? He could, he's God, he can do anything. So even before the pain even exists, and you wonder sometimes how you're like, wow, I avoided that accident. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why I didn't go, but I, I didn't. I remember one time we were in Peoria, we were turning on from, um, was it Glen, off of Glen, back onto North University, and I, I paused for a minute, and this truck just comes barreling inches in front of our bumper, and if it would have, if I'd have been, go when I usually go, it would hit me right in the door. I would have died. I was a dead man. God prevented the pain, right? There's many times when God's extended his grace like that. I've, I'm sure you have seen that in your life. There, when I was in the fourth grade, I was in a grain bin, and it was a wagon. The wagon, the corn sucked me up to my neck. I had somebody else in there and saved my life, right? That brings an internal perspective really fast on your life when you deal with death like that, right? By God's grace, he saved me. So if God can remove the pain, then why doesn't he? Well, ultimately, it's because it goes against his nature. What do you mean by that? Well, let me explain a little bit. God has allowed mankind to have free will, right? So when we were in the garden, Adam and Eve, and they ate of the fruit, God could have done a few things. He could have got rid of Adam and Eve and started it over right there, right? Does God ever hit the reset button with humanity? Yes, he does. You think, see it with Noah, for one. You see it with different nations. God eradicates them because they're doing evil all the time, right? But this is against his nature. God wants to have relationship with mankind, and so he allows them to have free will, which this means that they're able to sin, and they eventually do. The result of abusing free will has resulted in sin, and sin gives way to pain, and pain to suffering, and suffering and pain to death, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. How long is eternity? Forever. If you've ever seen the sand lot, right? right? That's where they say it on there. Yeah, it's forever. Can we fathom what eternity is? No, we can barely fathom what 90 is, right? You're like, oh, well, not, not as, it's not hard to, as you may think, you little whippersnapper, right? But yeah. We have a hard time understanding the concept of time. 
when it comes to eternity. 90 years is just a blip of the eye, right, on this earth. 100 years is a blip to what it is for the Lord. A thousand years is like a day to the Lord. A day is like a thousand years. He doesn't have a concept of time because it's not bound by time. And when we get to eternity with him, we'll be released of this pain and the suffering, and then we will understand the whys of it. If God were to take away things before they came, we would be outside of free will, and we would not be able to worship him. Then what would we be like? Robots, right? He would program us to act a certain way, and we would respond a certain way. There's no glory in that. God wants us to discover who he is as a person and worship him as our heavenly father, our savior. God calls us to follow the example that Jesus set in John eleven thirty five and weep with the hurting and then intercede for one another in prayers and petitions. God allows us to change the outcome of pain and suffering through our prayers. Did you know that? God can allow us to change the outcome of pain and suffering for praying for one another by mourning the result of sin and death. We can rise up. We can help people along the way. This is what the church is designed to do. We are designed to lift other people up. I know of a family that's hurting today. And it's when one of the life's joys is taken away from you before it should, should happen. And I'm praying for that family. And we, that's hard to deal with. Right? It's hard to deal with when joys are taken away from us. God works on his timing and not ours. Sometimes the lessons we need to learn comes from the other side of the pain and the suffering. Sometimes he allows us to go through the pain and suffering so we can learn the life lesson. This is exactly what we see in the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha understand what Jesus is going to do on the cross after they see what their brother goes through. I firmly believe this. They get it even better, I think, at the end on the back side of the cross but we see that they, their faith seems to get a little bit stronger, a, a more eternally perspective than the disciples, for sure, without question. Have you ever seen someone that's gone through cancer? And the people, they're just amazed at their faith. They just can't believe. Like, how can you deal with the suffering? How can you deal with the the suffering of chemo, and still praise God after the end of it. You, I, I don't understand it. My, my best example for this is a, a man named Jim Twidell. He is a guy that you ask him, this is, I'm starting to pick up this phrase a little bit, um, how you doing today? Oh, better than I deserve. So what do we deserve? We deserve to die. We're sinners. The only reason why we have life in the first place is because Jesus gave up his life for our sake so that we have a chance to make it to eternal life. 
He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can do this. And so I was amazed at Jim's faith as he walked through going through cancer because he realized an eternal perspective. He understood what he was doing. He was setting an example to his family mostly, but obviously to other people as well because they touched my heart on how to live through suffering. It's amazing. In the pain and in the problem and in the solution, Jesus becomes our way, our truth, and our life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. And he can do the same for you. God wants to be there for you. Sometimes it's the reef, the relief comes in this life. Sometimes the relief comes in the next. But it starts by surrendering now. Because God makes all things new when he we give him our pain and our suffering. And he restores us by the transforming of our spirit, heart, and mind. Let's wrap up the chapter. We read most of this last week, but we're going to go through it again. Uh, we're going to focus on the top two verses, though, but I'm going to read the rest of this section of, of John 11. Starting in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. I think that's important, by the way, that he was angry. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus replied, Do you, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up into heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of those people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, and his hands and his feet bound in the grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. We talked about that last week, so if you want to catch on what that was all about. That was last week. But we're going to focus on roll the stone aside. Lord, isn't that stench going to be terrible? What was her reaction? It was fear of the stench. It was fear of the death. And Jesus is not afraid. Jesus is not afraid of our sin. He's not afraid of the disease that kills us that transforms us with its pain. He is not afraid of death. After all, he faced it head on, and he did it with joy. Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he would have to die on the cross, and he's letting them know that he will defeat death then as well. It says in Romans 8, 35 and 37, it says, Can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he, is no, lo- he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ 
who loves us. Paul knew, as well as we do, life doesn't end when we die. Whether you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ and you go to heaven, or you choose not to follow Jesus Christ, you choose to go to hell. Where there's pain and suffering all the time. Because that's the tool of Satan, right? It is our choice whether we want to surrender our lives to him now. Jesus has the power to comfort us in the dark times. He has the power to command the pain and the suffering away. And he set the example of how to do it by surrendering to the will of the Father. When we surrender our pain, our suffering, what we're doing, dealing with in life to Jesus Christ, he gives it to the Father and the burden is lifted off of us. He shares that yoke with us. He is the way to the Father. We have to surrender to his free gift of grace and walk with him in faith. Surrender the pain and the glory. For me, personally, it's easy to surrender pain. It's easy. I do not like to identify with pain. It is, it's hard. It's not my nature. So when I deal with pain, I give it to the Lord quickly. I have a hard time surrendering my glory. I'm always like, look at me, right? Which is the opposite side. It's a, we've done plenty of sermons on that and I'm, because I'm a professional glory stealer from the Lord, right? That's called pride. And the Lord wants us to surrender the glory too. Give him the glory. You know, you hit the home run. How do you feel? Well, I want to thank God for that. I wouldn't have been able to do it without him working in my life. That's how it works. That's why they do that. That's a pretty awesome thing, actually. I'm dealing with cancer. I'm dealing with heart issues. I'm dealing with loss of life. Well, I want to give that to God. He's the author of life. He knows and he understands when I don't. That's not easy to do as well, is it? That's the opposite side of the spectrum. We find our victory over sin and death in Jesus Christ according to his word in John chapter 1. Or 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. People, it is time to take off our grave clothes. It is time to take off our sins that encompass us and give it to the Lord. He wants to make us new. He makes all things new. You and me. He transforms us from the inside out. Changes our spirit. He changes our heart and our mind. And he can do that for you as well. Take off your grave clothes. Allow Christ to penetrate the hurt and suffering in your life. Don't let it become your identity. Don't let it become who you are. Because you can be so much more than that. Only he can heal and restore you back to the original because he was the master craftsman who made you in the first place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us. 
when we allow our pain and our suffering to become our identity. Lord, I know there's people here that have, they've just discovered that for the first time today. And they want to surrender their life to you. And if that's you, it goes like this. It said, Lord, forgive me for my sinful ways. I accept the free gift to be part of your family today. I choose to surrender to you today. And I ask that you come and lead me into your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would lead us through the pain, through the suffering, through the, the angst of life. Lord, open up our eyes so that we can understand the amazing time that we have in Jesus Christ. It's the joy, it's the peace that passes understanding that we don't understand that comes during the suffering. How can we rejoice when you're going through that? It's only through Jesus Christ. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through you. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see that doorway. Lord, narrow our vision so we follow your path and not look around to see what everything else the world has to offer. Guide us and direct us, lead us and protect us as we go throughout this day. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for your attention.